please move, come uh, closer, inshallah. I'm sure there's no gaps in between. Come forward, inshallah, being mindful of those who are completing the salah. Sisters as well, inshallah, we can, uh, those who are in the prayer hall, we ask you to sit as close as possible. May Allah reward all of you who have uh, braved the weather and have come. And may He allow you all to take back from here more than you expect. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim. Rabbi shahli sadri wa sirli amri. وحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا ما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والفعل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار أما بعد قال الله سبحانه وتعالى بعد أن أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قال الذين حق عليهم القول ربنا هؤلاء الذين أغوينا أغويناهم كما غوينا تبرأنا إليك ما كانوا إيانا يعبدون وقيل ادعوا شركاءكم فدعوهم فلم يستجيبوا لهم ورأوا العذاب لو أنهم كانوا يهتدون ويوم يناديهم فيقول ماذا أجبتم المرسلين فعميت عليهم الأنباء يومئذ فهم لا يتساءلون فأما من تاب وآمن وعمل صالحا فعسى أن يكون من المفلحين وربك يخلق ما يشاء ويختار ما كان لهم الخيرة سبحان الله وتعالى عما يشركون Last week, the first verse that we uh, covered was wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the disbeliever would say, وَقَالُوا إِنَّ اتَّبِعِ الْهُدَى مَعَكَ نُتَخَطَّفْ مِنْ أَرْضِنَا Disbelievers would say, the Meccans, that if we were to follow guidance with you, we will be plucked from the earth, we will be pulled out, we will be uh, abducted. And Allah Azza wa Jalla then responds to them by saying, Why are you saying things like this? Do you not see that Amina? Do you not see that we've provided for you a very safe haven uh, and a, a protected place? And not only is it safe, not only is it sacred haram, but the fruits of everything is brought forth to you there. Now explained fruits means the you know the fruits that we eat as well as the fruits of labor meaning all the pro- products that are manufactured today all being brought to Makkah al-Mukarramah rizqan min ladunna they're provided as a sustenance from our end walakin majority of people do not understand this so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through six ways is refuting this statement of the disbelievers who said that if we believe the deen we will suffer if we believe um, if we follow Islam, we will have a very difficult time. And that is the message that uh, people think till today. That if we Islam will bring difficulty for us. And uh, ease and comfort will come through uh, not following the deen. Now, one thing we want to make sure and understand is that <clears throat> when we say that this is not true, uh, that uh, you know, with deen comes... 
uh, that deen will, will, will lead to destruction and deen will lead to being killed or deen will lead to being plucked out of your land and ab- abducted, etc. Um, the, the one thing we want to make sure is no one should misunderstand this refutation and start thinking that following the deen will always just bring ease for you. Alright, this is the interesting thing because following the deen it comes with it difficulty as the very famous hadith Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has said that huffatil jannatu bil makare wa huffatil naru bil shahawat that jannah has been surrounded by difficult things and jahannam has been surrounded by things that the nafs likes right so we we we, we Allah refuted what they said that if we become muslim then we will suffer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, do you, not, do you not already see how blessed you are in Mecca, everything is being provided for you? But this does, this does not mean that automatically if soon as a person begins to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he will start tasting the sweets and fruits of Jannah here. No. Many times we will see that when a person decides to come towards Islam, his heart inshallah will feel different. He will find contentment, peace in his heart. But that does not mean that his life will become easy. To the contrary, his life actually may become more difficult. As was very clearly seen in the lives, lives of the likes of Ammar ibn Yasir radiallahu anhumah and his parents and even the like of who? Umar al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. That, and of course Bilal Habashi and the whole, the rest of them as well. That as soon as they became Muslim, all of a sudden things just went 180, changed. Including Umar radiallahu anhu who was being beaten up, physically beaten in a sack, tied up in a sack by his uncle. Right? A man who people would have so much respect and awe is now being physically beaten up, tied up in a sack. On, on the basis of what? Because he said, La ilaha illallah. And Ammar ibn Yasir anhu's mother, Sumayya radiallahu anhu, becomes the first shaheed. And she's the, one of the first ones who's, who, who gave her life uh, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet ﷺ would pass by their house and would see them being tortured and punished and he would simply tell them, Sabran ya ala Yasir, inna jannah. Oh, the family of Yasir, I encourage you to remain patient. I promise you the place where you and I are going to meet is going to be paradise. That you have to learn how to be able to swallow this huge difficult pill, right? And very challenging life that you are going through. But... Um, understand that your place is Jannah. You know how quickly we have su'udhan. Allah forgive me, forgive you, for all of us for having bad thoughts about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whenever life goes a little bit challenging for us, the first thing that comes out of many brothers and sisters' mouth is, well, I guess this is a punishment from Allah. I guess, I guess Allah doesn't like me. I guess uh, this is how it's going to be. Sometimes your husband doesn't like you, or sometimes you don't like your husband, sometimes your wife doesn't like the, the husband doesn't like the wife, wife doesn't like the husband, etc., whatever it is. These are tests. These are tests from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If there's some issue with your spouse, or some issue she has or he has with you, or you have with them, or your mom and dad have with you and you have with your parents, we should be careful before we label these things as punishment. Because punishment is a very, very, very harsh word. I mean, if, you're, if Allah is punishing you, that means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most just. He would never punish you or I without reason. If we say this is a punishment, that means we're acknowledging that we deserve punishment. Why say that? Why bring about this upon yourself? Why not simply say that this is my gateway to Jannah? 
I'm just reflecting upon over a, a certain individual who reached out to me, um, some, uh, you know, not too long ago, and was, was talking about marital issues and said, okay, you know, but I have no love for my spouse. Okay, no problem, that, that's fine. But no, but isn't life supposed to be about nice, about, you know, love and things of that sort? I just, I don't have a specific emotional attachment. So since I don't have that emotional attachment, I want a divorce. I said, that makes no sense. Is there any issue happening? No, there's no issue, but emotionally I'm not attached. So and now three children, four children, five children, however many children, and married for so many years. <clears throat> Subhanallah. How ajib I said this is shaitan's deception that you want to leave a marriage simply because you feel that you're emotionally unattached. But yeah, but isn't life supposed to be about this? No, life is not supposed to be about that. It's about do's and don'ts. Emotional attachment is secondary. That's where ikhlas comes in. Ikhlas is that you are fulfilling the rights of your spouse without you being emotionally attached. Because when you're emotionally attached, it becomes also part of your shahwa is fulfillment of your desire that a person first few weeks of marriage uh, of course people are doing not fulfillment of rights they're doing ihsan they go to, you know a hundred yards more than they need to but what is that? that is not ikhlas in there that is all just the beginning phases of marriage ikhlas comes in when you have difficulty when you have ups and downs when you start seeing things in your spouse that you never expected Allah forbid Things that you never, you never realized at the beginning. And now you hold yourself back. And you do not uh, get upset. You don't get angry. You don't try to end it. You try to be calm, collected. And deal with it in a mature manner. That's ikhlas. Because you say, this is hadha hadhi. This is my share. Allah decided it for it me to be my share. You heard the story of Umar anhu as well. Where someone came knocking on his door. And after a few, 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 you know, few minutes, he left. He went after him and said, Hey, did you come? Why did you not enter? What's wrong? He says, No, it's all right. My issue got taken care of. He said, What happened? He said, I have an issue with my wife. You know, she was screaming at me, this, this, that, all these issues are having at home, marital issues. So I came knocking at the door of Umar, Amir Umin, to see, you know, how can you help? But then I heard inside of your home, I hear your wife is also screaming at you, uh, raising her voice. So I said, Forget it. If this is the issue at Amir Umin's house, then, you know, I guess I got to figure out my own home. But the idea is, yani, subhanAllah, this is not a license for, for women to disrespect their husbands. Rather, this is rather encouragement for the men that there are times when a wife who does so much for her husband, may at times she has, like men have weaknesses, women have weaknesses. Men have strengths, women have strengths. So some of the weaknesses of a woman is that she becomes emotional. And when she becomes emotional, she ends up saying things which she doesn't really actually want or mean to. All of us who are blessed to be sitting here have mothers. Alhamdulillah, had mothers or have mothers. You can, you can for sure think about all those instances when your mother said something, which you know, Yani, which she never meant it. But she said something crazy. That's, that's why it's been a warning uh, to mothers to be careful about not cursing their children. Because when they get angry, they end up saying something and they may be saying it out of anger, but it may hit sa'atul ijaba. It may hit that, um, that time when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts a dua. And that, they, may, your feet, may your feet break. Someone says to her, their son, because of something. That might hit sa'atul ijaba, khalas. Then that dua gets accepted. And honestly, as you all know about mothers, the child won't cry as much as the mother will cry to see her son's broken legs. And that's a mom's heart. Cannot handle, you know, her son or daughter's pain, even though he or she can handle it, maybe to a certain degree. So it's it's one of those things that you know that that's the exist issues is that the tongue. Sometimes we don't have control over the tongue. So now his sahabi understood that this is what's going on in my home. That my wife is getting upset. It's fine. There's so much she does for me. These are a few things that has got to let her go. And if that's once in a while she has a venting session, so so be it. Because she'll later on realize. And she didn't mean that. 
So do not call this a punishment is what I'm trying to say. This is simply your, our imtihan in life. We covered that in Surah Furqan in detail. The last verse of the 18th juz. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we've made some of you a fitna for some of you. That's it. It's a fitna. Atasbirun, will you be patient? Or will you not be patient? What are you going to do? وَكَانَ رَبُّكَ بَصِيرًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching what you'll do. So, we are saying here, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gave this system in this dunya, that ibadah and ta'a and obedience towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with that comes many times difficulty. But difficulty, inshallah, you will not find in your heart. Your heart will be content. You will be happy with whatever difficulty you might be going through. This is the difference. If a person is angry and upset about the difficulty, then that's a bigger issue than the difficulty itself. That's a bigger issue than the difficulty itself. When a person, um, when you tell your child or your son or daughter or someone to take care of something, and it's a small chore, take the garbage out, whatever the case may be. But if they respond to you with the, with the hump and a, a grump, you know, grumpy and sound and, <clears throat> and they, they, you can see that they are frowning and they're upset, something simple and small that will make you upset. That will make you upset that, that why is it that something simple and small like this, you are getting angry. Something simple I told you to do and you're making a big deal about it. As parents, as teachers, that was what would, would make us upset. So imagine when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts a little bit burden, a little bit uh, burden on us. Take the garbage out in the cold, that's burden, right? It's a little bit, but come on. This is your parents are telling you. Do it. Allah azza wa decides to put a little bit difficulty upon us and then we start making a big deal about it. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِذَا مَسَّهُ الْخَيْرُ مَنُوعَ Allah subhanahu wa says this human being he is such that when Allah gives him goodness wealth, health, etc he becomes stingy he doesn't give it to anyone it's all mine mine, mine, mine one brother right now before Maghrib he was speaking about one, uh, one country in the world don't want to name it he says you know I've stayed there and he said he praised them then he said you know but they, they, they really love their money so it's, they're not good in business I said, okay, like, what do you mean? So he said, I know how, I've stayed there, I know how to do business, I know how to save money. I said, how? He says, hey, you want to buy a jacket? The guy says, it's 100. You say, no, I want to give you, not 100, I'll give you 50. He'll say, no. It's not 50, it's 100. <clears throat> he says, okay, here I got, he said, the way to deal with that, with that country, with the people of that country, he said, you have, you take a 50 rand or whatever, 50, you know, $50 note, and you give it to Give it to the person. He said, let me try on this jacket. So he said, you try on the jacket. I said, man, this is nice. You gave him the 50 first. He said, make sure you give him the 50 first. <laughs> you try on the jacket and say, man, I like the jacket. He said, oh, mashallah, 100. He said, no, just 50, keep that. He says, no, 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 it's not going to happen, my friend. I told you 100. Then he said, okay, you take off your jacket and say, oh, give me the 50 back, you take your jacket back. He said, no, 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 okay, fine, khalas, go, take it. <laughs> because he says, they, once they've got the 50 in their hand, they don't want to let it go. Right? They love that money. Once they got that 50 in hand, they don't want to let it go. So he says, you get the jacket for 50. First, you got to give it to them in their hand. Because once it's in the hand, they don't want to let it go. So I'm remembering this ayah here. The Quran says, إِذَا مَسَّلْ الْخَيْرُ مَنُوعًا When wealth comes to them, when goodness comes to them, manua, mana'a, They hold it back. They don't want to give it to anyone. 
And when a little bit of difficulty comes, they start screaming. Making a big deal out of it. And you know, acting as though the world has come to an end. No. Allah doesn't like this. Allah doesn't like that a person you know, becomes ungrateful for all the blessings when Allah chooses to send some difficulty our way to act like we've never seen ease in our life. And make it as though every difficulty is the end of the world. And Allah does not like that when Allah chooses to bless us that we forget the whole world and think that now we need to just use this blessings upon ourselves. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has put in deen, sukoon and itbinan of the heart, but understand that with it comes challenge and difficulty. And last week we also spoke about tadhiyah, sacrifice. That when speaking about the story of Ibrahim, Ismail, and Hazrat Hajar, alayhimu salatu salam, radiallahu anhum arda, that this, this, they made sacrifice. And it is upon the foundations of that family that we stand today. And it is this previ- uh, the subsequent generations after them who have done sacrifice because of which we are all reciters of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Because of which we are sitting here studying the Quran and not something else. We're sitting in a masjid and not somewhere else. Because of the sacrifices that they have uh, done. So understand that there is a price of love that a person has to pay. If a person claims to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then a person must be willing to pay that price of, uh, uh, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, do not think that obedience will harm you, and do not think that disobedience will benefit you. But also understand that obedience may bring about a test from Allah, and disobedience will bring about things that are mulaim and munasib and muafiq and similar to what your nafs desires. That's why, to allow your gaze to roam around is easy. Itlaqul basar sahl. But to hold the ghaddul basar, to lower the gaze, that goes difficult. To allow our tongue to be involved in ghiba, that's easy. To hold our tongue back from ghiba, that is difficult. To ensure that, to, to, sell a, to sell and to buy and sell with cheating the customer or the purchaser is easy. But to speak the truth and to say, I'm selling it to you for 60 and I bought it for 40. That is difficult. To be honest in business is difficult. To lie is, uh, you know, uh, what you call, very easy. So following the deen requires a person to bite the bullet again and again and again and again. So let's not misunderstand this idea. To think that following the deen is super simple and easy. Uh, It will be easy, as they say, for the one who Allah makes it easy for. But what does that mean Allah makes it easy for? Allah will make it easy for you to handle the sacrifice. Remember that. Deen becomes easy for the one Allah makes easy for. What does that mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will facilitate and make it easy for you to handle sacrifice. That's the key thing. It's always going to be filled with sacrifice. To earn halal is not easy and never will be easy. right? To spend only in halal not going to be easy to watch your gaze to watch your ears all of these things are difficult but when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes you muwaffaq and gives you tawfiq then tahammul al-shada'id to handle difficulty for the sake of Allah will become easy like the sahaba they, they were able to enjoy uh, uh, you know many of the companions say we look forward to the winter nights and the summer days why? what do you want to do? winter nights so we can spend hours and hours in tahajjud and the summer days so we can spend hours and hours f- fasting. We want opposite. 
We went opposite. We, went, we love the winter nights so we can sleep. And uh, the, you know, the summer days, we hope that Ramadan always stays in the winter. And summer, subhanAllah, that no, that who's going to fast that, that long? This is the difference. When, someone makes, uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for someone, then to handle difficulty will become easy for us. Someone also mentioned, he said, today for the sake of dunya, if a person is working, uh, you know, making good money as whatever professional, and he has to work 16-hour shift, 15-hour shift, 18-hour shift, and he's making a lot of good money in his business or his profession, not, even if people will want to sympathize with him, he'll say, no, no, no. If they say, please, can you cut down your hours? He says, no, why should I? I'm earning 300 an hour, 400 an hour, 500 an hour. Why would I? Sheikh, you are working six days, six and a half days a week. Please, can you close your shop? He'll say, no, I'm going to try to do it seven days a week now. Because I love the money. So when it comes to dunya, people not only make so much sacrifice, but they don't want to even listen to someone sympathizing with them. He said, no, no, it's okay. I enjoy it. Please, can we cut down your hours? No, no, you cannot. I don't want to. But when it comes to the matters of deen, subhanAllah, what happens? All of a sudden things turn around. That a person, he starts making such a big deal for a little bit of sacrifice he does. And if someone says, you're doing too much, he says, you're right, I am doing too much. You know, I'm getting burnt out. I'm not being appreciated enough. Right? This is, this is the deen is just people, the people, the Muslims of today, they don't appreciate me. So we have to, the way a person works hard for the dunya, that same level of sacrifice a person needs to bring into the deen. Like the Sahaba radiallahu anhum wa So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers these objections of the kuffar through various ways. Now, this ayah of 63, which we're reading now, which we read today, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also continues to answer those things. Right? قَالَ الَّذِينَ حَقَّ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقَوْلِ the, those leaders of unbelief against whom the word of doom has come to pass. means Qawl is the word. Haqqa came to pass. Like it comes another place. When the statement came uh, fell upon them. This statement is Allah's statement and Allah's decree that you're going to that this group is going to Jahannam. This group is going to hell. So when that word of doom becomes apparent upon these leaders of unbelief. So if you let uh, let's see if this is over here. Yes. So you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment will call out to them. Aina shuraka'i. Where are my associate gods that in the world you used to allege that I have? The fact that Allah is calling out to them, ulama say this is like to show distance. Allah is so far away, beyond, not beyond physically, He is beyond. He is very far away from these group of absolutely disgraced sinners who are uh, kufar who are headed to hell. That's why He's calling out to them from far away. And He'll say, "Where are those false gods that you ascribe towards me? Where are they?" So we learn from here that the adab, physical torment of akhirah, is one, but then there's a psychological torment as well. And that psychological torment is to know that you are alone, that you've got no one with you. A thief who says, gathers, all his, gathers a group of people, this is normal, in the dunya it happens all the time. A smuggler, he says, listen, you know, I, I want you to join my gang, smuggling gang. 
and I'm going to make you rich within the first week. This and that. But what if I get caught? Don't worry, man. I bought out the cops, bought out the police chief. Everything is all sorted out. Don't worry. The, poli- the airport police is also bought out, which is true. It happens many places in the world like this. So imagine a young person, he gets enticed by this and he gets and joins a smuggling gang. And within the first few days, or you know, things might be going well for him, but after a couple of weeks of making money, he eventually gets caught. And he's so relaxed. He thinks all these guys are bought out. My boss... These guys all work for my boss. But when he goes there, he finds out that his boss is already in jail. And he's being whipped, beaten up. When he sees that, how is he going to feel? He says, inside, he says, when the, the, the police officer says, hey, what are you doing? He says, no problem. My boss is going to come talk to you. My boss is going to come talk to you. Sort it out. He's going to sort it out. Just watch. Just wait. Just wait. Give me an hour. Give me two hours. He's going to come. He's going to sort you out. He's going to fire you. Better watch out. And after a while, he looks, someone screaming. He goes, he looks inside. He sees there's his own boss beating up. How does that make a person feel? That's exactly what's happening here. That the people who follow the leaders, they have this concept that the, that the ones who are at the top, they're going to get us out of the mess. Iblis and his cronies. But on the day of judgment, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks, where are they, where are they? They're nowhere to be seen. Instead, they are in a very bad situation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will now speak to uh, this group of people, uh, the, 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 um, the leaders, they will speak about those who followed them. Rabbana, O oh our Lord, Those whom we deluded. What does that mean, those whom we deluded? Any those whom we deluded according to them. We didn't delude them. They are accusing us or claiming that we deluded them. Claiming that we deluded them. Aghwainahum kama aghwaina. We deluded only because we ourselves are deluded. Now, tabarra'na ilayk, we disavow before you their claims. Ma kanu iyana ya'budun, it was not us who they, who they were worshipping. So in this ayah here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning that the leaders will be distancing themselves from those who followed them. And will be saying that we didn't intentionally mislead them. What happened is we gave them an offer and our offer coincided with their own bad desires. It's like someone who says, he was walking around and someone comes up to him and says, hey, again, you want to rob a bank? And the guy is like, well, you know what? That's not a bad idea. So he didn't force him, he just offered him. And they go together as, an, as he joins as an accomplice and they go rob a bank. When they're arrested, the one who joined him on the road, the original proposal, the one who gave the proposal, he's a leader, the other one joined him. He cannot say, that's not my fault, I got nothing to do with this. I got nothing to do with this. He is the main mastermind. Nope. Who told you to join him? He offered you. You decided. There's another hundred people who didn't take this but why did you decide to take the bait? Why did you decide to take the bait? And say that I'll join you. Now that you have joined him, you will be treated as also an accomplice as well as a, you know, as a bank robber. So these people are saying that we gave a proposal to anyone who wanted and it is their own shahwa, their own lustful desire, their own internal misguidance that coincided with our offer. We did not forcefully mislead them. So from here we understand that in this world, no one can actually forcefully mislead anyone else.
Instead, we can simply provide options and opportunities. But all of us, we are going to be judged based on our own ikhtiyar, what choice we have taken. Imagine a person has been given a, a, a small little device that allows you to distinguish between counterfeit money and real money. And you have that in your pocket or you have that on your table. And you are a, you are a, uh, a, you know, a sales clerk. And people coming and giving you uh, you know, bills and you, 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 you're at the cash register and you should check the bill. So now at the end of the day, this teller uh, goes and gives the money to the bank, uh, the, the bank and, and they find out that there is counterfeit money. So then he tells the boss, boss, we have today $500 in counterfeit money. What is the boss going to say? The boss is going to obviously get very upset. Not at just the thief who use counterfeit money to take stuff from the store, but more so at the teller. That you have a machine there. That you're supposed to take that $100 bills and check before you put it in the till. Why did you not use that? No, but that was a thief. We don't care about the thief. What happened to your machine? Why did you in the first place accept that money? So he will get upset at the teller and, 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 and probably fire him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given all of us a machine to detect counterfeit from real money. What is that? Our intellect. Our aql. It's our job to listen, to ask questions, to ponder, to reflect, and then to make our, a proper decision. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَلَا Continuously Allah says, do you not ponder, do you not reflect, do you not think? Where is your intellect? Why are you blindly following Everyone else, when it comes to your job and money and car and home, you do not blindly follow others. You sit there, do all the research. But when it comes to the matters of deen, why do you just turn on the YouTube and the first one you see, you listen? Say, this is it. The first book your hands, you get on, you just pick it up and say, oh, this the fatwa is over here. That's it. But when it comes to simple oil change, so much research is done. Right? There you go. So the way Allah has given us our aql, we have to use to figure out who's right, what's wrong. Remembering a story of a business owner who told me this. He said one day, he came to the store, he had a cell phone store. And the clerk, or you know, the one who's working behind the counter said, boss, I'm very, very sorry. Something happened today, I got cheated. And he said, oh really? Uh, no, no. He didn't say I got cheated. He said, we made a really good deal. He said, what happened? What was a good deal? He said, someone came, and I made a very good deal for you today. So what happened? He said, I got like 50 iPads. Uh, I think so, iPads, right? The smaller ones. Right? So, uh, for a great deal. How much? They, they were, like something like if they're going for, you know, $500, I got them for 100 So what? And how much did you get? He said, I got, I got as many as I could get. I got 50 of them for $100 a piece. Brand new in the box. So, and we can sell it. We can make so much profit. <laughs> so the boss said, where are they? So they were, they were lined up, all Apple with all, you know, full beautiful new box. He picked it up, feels like an iPad, opens it up, got the nice covering, and opens it up, it's white. But what was it? There's a white tile. It's like, what? So open up the next box, another white tile. All oh, there were white tiles put in the Apple box, sold it for 100 bucks or $200, I don't know how many. Some amount I forgot. 
He, she got cheated so bad, right? And he, of course, he said, if you are buying this from someone on the street who comes out of a, you know, a random SUV and holding 50 iPads, it's telling you that it's going to be on sale. He's selling to you for one-fifth of the price. Where's your aql, man? What's wrong with you? Where's your brains? Why? How, how stupid could you be that you just get excited about it and do something like this? There you go. This is a real story, by the way. I'm not making this up. This actually happened. Right? So this is yani, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking, why are you blindly following those who are the so-called trendsetters? So all the musicians today, all those Instagrammers and all the social media influencers, that's what they are. They're misleading the masses. But not only uh, they're misleading it, but it's the fools who actually like them. It's the fools who actually follow them. It's the fools, this K-pop and this South Korean uh, music. Oh, what big fitna this is. All the girls, all of you fathers, go speak to your daughters about this. All your brothers, go speak to your sisters about it. Huge fitna within our community. Right? And across the globe, of course, billions, right? Billions of times their songs have been downloaded. Especially our girls are very excited about this filth, unfortunately. And they're dancing to this type of stuff all day, all night, in their bathrooms, in their classrooms, and, and wherever else, subhanAllah. And they listen to this, uh, this, this type of nonsense. What is this? What are you doing, Yaqi? What are you doing, my dear sister? Is this someone to follow? What are you doing? So we, Allah, this is not sufficient to say, oh, Bhagga, you know, you got lost. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you and I uh, aql. And then on top of that, we have, alhamdulillah, the nur of wahi, which allows us to be able to figure out what's going on. We're supposed to be using it. If we're not using it, then that's a problem. So the human being is mukhayyat. Human being has been given a choice. Surah Ibrahim, ayah 22. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ shaytan Shaytan will give the khutbah, the speech. The khutbah and the speech of shaytan. When the decision will have been made who's going to paradise and who's going to hell. And he will say, Iblis La'een will say, Indeed Allah promised you a true promise. And I promised you as well. But I broke my promise. That's it. What are you going to do about it? I chose to broke my, break my promise. Then he will say something which a people will be wanting to bite their hands all the way till their elbows and beyond because they will realize what shaitan is saying is right and they are wrong what is that min i had no authority over you i could not force you there was no way i could force you don't blame me illa an it's just that i invited you towards the path of sin fastajabtum li and you chose to accept my call فَلَا تَلُومُونِي So do not blame me today. لَا تَلُومُونِي Shaitan is saying, don't blame me. وَلُومُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Rather, blame yourself. مَا أَنَا بِمُصْرِخِكُمْ I cannot save you. وَمَا أَنْتُمْ بِمُصْرِخِي And nor can you save me. But I knew that all along. Man, imagine how wretched Shaitan is, honestly. That he knows his whole khutbah is already in the Qur'an. What exactly he's going to say? The fact that he's going to hell and he's going to acknowledge that. And acknowledge that no one can save him. It's already in the Quran, Allahu Akbar. But yet he chooses to remain more stubborn than anyone else can imagine. This is what you call shakawa. This is what you call absolute wretchedness. What could be worse than that? Ma'ana bi musrikhikum. I cannot save you. You cannot save me. Inni kafartu min qabl. I distance myself from all that friendship you all had showed to me in the world. All the Satanists will be in for a surprise. 
all those who build temples for shaitan and worship the shaitan and all of those who obey the shaitan meaning they lead a life of sin they are also worshippers of shaitan they will all be in shock when he will say inni kafartu bima qabl i dis- disown all of you so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that that will be a very difficult day beyond the physical punishment that people of jahannam will be getting it's the psychological punishment that they, they their leaders are not going to be able to assist them in the least so if we think someone is misguiding someone understand that it's not a 100% true i remember one person was telling me he said you know my brother is in his mid 30s completely off track and so many mistakes he's doing uh, very far away from the deen but till today my father blames his classmates from high school yani 20 plus years ago and he says oh you know you're such a good kid and your classmates ruined you and so this brother was telling me he says he does he, my father is still not willing to acknowledge that you know what your son just messed up he had he made really bad decisions we all have had bad company we've all been exposed to bad options why is it that one son chose to take it right stop blaming his company because why when you blame the company you are not allowing yourself to take responsibility for the mistakes you have made or your son or daughter has made if you don't take responsibility then you cannot address the issue if we just blame external outside sources and you say miskin he just got misled okay end of story then what we got misled then what how are we going to address that how are we going to bring him back we can only make an effort to bring him back when we acknowledge that some mistake he has made and let's try to work on it now interesting that people many times they make this um, statement that others have misled me or others have misled someone else and so this is not 100% true others have offered an opportunity for, uh, for sin and this person's internal compass was messed up and so it met the other person and I don't know it seems like some people are um, they are predisposed to choose you know the worst of the two things options instead of the better of the two they seem to always like to gravitate towards bad company some of us have that some of the youth have that that if you have two options always going towards the one that's less beneficial the one that's more harmful May Allah protect us from this type of uh, fitra. Seriously. And may Allah bring back and uh, pure fitra in those who, who have gone astray. But this becomes a serious issue. So if you see your young brother, sister, or your child always gravitating towards the worst of the two individuals or the two options, then you need to wake up. Because sooner or later, they can end up in big trouble. And you cannot just say the friends. Because they are predispositioned, it seems like. They're always going towards the bad options, bad company. In the world, you cannot create a place, a vacuum where there's only good company. Not possible. Anywhere, including in front of the Kaaba Musharrafah, you will find good company and bad company. There's no place that is uh, free of bad company. So if we see that in someone, we need to be worried. And we need to make lots of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we need to sit down and try to have, you know, heart-to-heart talks with this individual. And try to explain to them, try to make them understand that they are constantly making decisions that are harming themselves. It is these type of people who many times end up becoming alcoholics. Many times become addicted to uh, gambling, addicted to various types of drugs, 
etc. And by the way, I just mentioned these two things, but these are very big problems in our community. Very big issues. People don't like to speak about it naturally, but gambling is a very big problem. Very big problem. Lives are being ruined, destroyed. Families are falling apart. So much is happening. And quietly, because you can't tell a gambler when he comes to the masjid, you can't tell he's a gambler. How are you going to know? Right? But there are people who, you know, ask help and they say, subhanAllah, you know, it's, uh, we are suffering, silently suffering because our dad is a gambler. Every single thing has been wasted away. Everything, we can't trust him with anything. Mother's purse is gone. Uh, young son's hard effort, uh, earned money is gone. Everything's going. Because the father starts off with that 7-Eleven scratching $1 you know, thing. And then eventually they, they, they just get addicted into this more and more and more. Before you know it, everything's up for sale. All that money is going there. There are lots of Muslim brothers. Practicing Muslim people, it looks like. I mean, they are practicing. They do pray, I think so. Come to the masjid, etc. But they ended up slipping in this. So be careful. If you know someone, you know, these are the type of uh, weak-minded people who just kind of gravitate towards the wrong company and who don't use their aql. Someone comes and says, oh, you're going to get rich by playing the lottery. What nonsense is that? But they fall for stuff like this. So oh, maybe I didn't have a luck with the job. Let me try this. So if we have someone in our family like this, please get to it before it gets too late. Before they end up you know, drowning and taking everyone else with them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, these people say, those people who claim that we have deluded them, the only reason we may have seemed like we deluded them is because we ourselves are deluded. And then we just met up each other at the deluded place. That's it. So now, we disavow everything that they claim. They were definitely not following us. Yani, what do you mean they didn't worship us? Meaning they weren't following us in coming towards uh, uh, disobedience. And that's what everyone will say when they get caught in the prison, in jail. They will all, in this dunya too, everyone says, I've got nothing to do with this, this, this person over here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, The heavens Allah has lifted and Allah has placed the scale, mizan. That mizan is in the heart of all of, our, all of us. My dear fathers and mothers, we have to teach our children to hold the mizan tight. Teach them that you, madrasa will always not be there, Islamic school will always not be there, mom and dad will always not be there. But you have to have your own internal moral compass. You have to have your internal mizan. I, I believe that if every one of us can teach our children to recognize this internal mizan, and learn how to utilize it, alhamdulillah, that will be very successful tarbiyah. Because we cannot ensure that they're always only going to be surrounded by the best people. It's just not possible. Everywhere there is bad company. But we have to teach them how to use this mizan. And, you know, this requires hikmah and wisdom. May Allah grant the parents a wisdom to teach their children. And may Allah grant their children faham and deep understanding um, as well of how to deal with that. وَقِيلَ دْعُوا شُرَكَاءَكُمْ then it shall be said to all of them, Ud'u shuraka'akum, cry out to your associate gods for help. Fada'ahum. So then they shall cry out to them, come, come, come to our help. This is your chance. Remember you told us to, that you will be available to help us? Here we are. Falam yastajibulahum. But they will be nowhere to answer them. Of course, they themselves are in hell. Wara'awul adab. And then they shall see the hell's torment looming in front of them. Lo annahum kanu yahtadun. If only they had been rightly guided. So this is a very tough situation for the followers. Right? Uh, and and, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, is warning us. 
that if we keep on going with what society says, most of the people, what do we do? We, we follow what society says, what culture says, what community says, what cousins say. FOMO. Everyone's talking about FOMO all the time. Right? So this is the fear of missing out. That's what the kids say, FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. But why did you do this? Because everyone else was doing it. If I didn't do it, I'd feel it. Why you try this drug? You're crazy? You don't know any better? Yeah, but all of them were smoking it. So I decided to smoke it because I don't want to be the one who's left out. This is the biggest driving force towards sin today. The biggest driving force. Why everyone is doing what they're doing? Why does these TikTok nonsense become viral? Because one tries it, say, oh, let's go try it. If it means jumping off of a roof, that's what they'll do. If they mean jumping off of a moving car, that's what they'll do. It's crazy how the social media has created so much fitna in the world that one does something evil and then it promotes and encourages everyone else to say, come on, come on, do it. Because they're all going to get asked about it. My beloved friends, that's why anything and everything from the style of a child's haircut to the chain that they're wearing around their neck to the ch- type of watch that they want to wear to the type of shoes that they want to wear to the type of band that they want to have on their hand all of it, all of it is a reflection of the influence that they're taking in and it's very important if our children are very prone to taking influence from their surroundings which mostly all are then today it's, they're taking influence from this one Tomorrow they'll take influence from someone much worse than that. That's why as moms and dads, we need to be very careful of the changes we notice in our children. And we should not take it lightly. Because every new change is a symptom of something that they are taking in within them. Some influence that they have taken. You, you and I don't know what's inside the heart. But we have to judge based on what we see, what meets the eye, what we see apparently. That's what we need to do. Judge them based on what meets the eye. And so if we see the way the, the swag has changed, the walk has changed, the clothing is changing, the fashion is changing, and the, the, the necklace is coming in, and the hairstyles and the fads are changing, you need to understand that this young man or young woman is taking effect. I don't, I don't understand why moms and dads don't understand what I just said. If that student is in madrasa memorizing Quran, you'll see how his haircut is. You see how his, he wants to wear a turban. He wants to carry around a miswak. He wants to wear a thobe all the time. In the wedding, the father and mother says, Hey, bye, take off your topi. This is the father and mother. This is how they do. They send them to madrasa. And then in the wedding, Saturday night, they say, take off your topi. Right? <laughs> don't, wear, don't wear this thobe. Even a nice one. No, no, you can't wear that. You got to wear a suit because we're in a wedding. We know we can't act... Like a, like a madrasa student or we can't act like someone going to the masjid because this is disrespectful to the gathering of uh, in a nice expensive banquet hall so now this same child that you had to argue with because he didn't want to wear he wanted to wear his thobe he wanted to keep his miswak in his pocket he wanted to do his tasbih he wanted to walk to fajr subhanallah all these amazing things that same child you send him to Islamic school or of course public school within three weeks his haircut is a whole fad fashion He's got a, you know, a fade, to say the least, if not more than that, buzz cut, this, that. And now he doesn't even wear a topi, even if you tell him to, even to, while praying salah. Now, he, now his walk is changing, right? And now the type of jokes he's making is changing. The type of places he wants to hang out after school is not the masjid anymore. That should ring the alarm bell in parents. That what's going on? There's a massive change that has happened here. So what am I, if this influence that he's taking in, He's only a 7th grader, 8th grader, ninth grader. What will happen on this trajectory by the time he reaches college? So you have to then quickly intervene and see. If you're going to say, do I just pull out this environment? No, I'm not saying that. But you have to teach him, hey, what are you doing? This is you 2-3 weeks ago. What happened to you now? Where? لا تكونوا إمعا Don't be wishy-washy. 
You have to have your you have to be a man of principles. We are committed to principles. We don't go with the flow. That same person that you are trying to act cool with because he's doing this, the same person on the day of judgment. Talk about these verses of the Quran. That you're gonna follow the the the, the, the leaders of your class, the kuffar and the, the schools. Subhanallah, what will happen on the day of judgment? Allah Azza wa says, Right, where's Musaf there? The people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the arrogant people, they will have a, the arrogant leaders will have a dialogue with the followers. The arrogant leaders will have a dialogue with the followers. And what is this mentioned in Surah Al-Sabah? Surah Al-Sabah is وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَنُؤْمِنَ بِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَلَا بِالَّذِي بَيْنِ يَدَيْهِ Okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَلَوْ تَرَعِذَ الظَّالِمُونَ If only you could see the sight when the oppressors مَوْقُوفُونَ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ will be made to stand in front of the Lord. The oppressors will be made to stand in front of the Lord. يَرْجِعُ بَعْضُ بِلَا بَعْضٍ الْقَوْلِ They will be going back and forth, back and forth with each other. The sinners, they're all, that's what happens when the cops arrest them. They're sitting there screaming and swearing at each other. Right? So in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the kuffar and the fusaq and the fujar are going to be going, you blame, you're the one to blame. No, you're the one to blame. They're going at each other. The weaklings, the ones who follow, the followers of the influencers are going to be talking. They're going to be speaking to the influencers. If it wasn't for you, we would have definitely become people of Iman. You don't misled us. If it wasn't for your music, if it wasn't for your dances and, and concerts and, and this and that, we would have not been misled. The leaders, the influencers, they will speak to the followers. Did we actually forcefully stop you from guidance after guidance came to you? How could we do that? Rather, you are the ones who are transgressors yourself. A lot of what's happening in, in the Middle East, the changes are happening, the facade and the fitna that's coming, all the concerts and the music and the clubs and everything else. Naturally, people point fingers at leaders. But if you think about it, all the leaders, all they have done is opened up what was covered. That's it. We, we should never think that the, 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 the population is not to blame. The population, they got brains. They've got, they, they have their aql. They have everything. They're born in a Muslim country. They grew up in Muslim homes. They grew up in the land of the Quran. Where is your aql? Just because someone said there's a rave, who told you to go run after that? Just because someone said this is a, a mixed coffee shop where you can meet everyone and mingle with everyone. Who told you to run after that? So yes, the leaders are doing, opening up the opportunities to sin. But what's happened to the population? This tells you that the population had lost their, their ruhaniyat, spirituality, and a big chunk of their iman long ago. All of this doesn't happen overnight in three or four years. This was happening from decades. But it was all covered up. It was like the termites were eating up the tree from inside. But then someone decided to come take an axe and hit it with one shot and the whole tree fell down. That axe, that one shot with the axe is not what brought the tree down. The tree was already finished. Completely had become hollow from inside. And that is the Muslim society of today. Honestly, it's not only in certain countries, it's across the globe. Across the globe, the Muslim society has become absolutely kokla, empty. What you see is just external appearance. 
Internally, the iman is extremely weak. And this is why we see that salat with jama'ah is where it is. A regularity and afkar, you see where it is. Riba, staying away from riba. How I asked the Muslim bank, you know, I mean, sorry, Muslim, um, yeah, Muslim uh, uh, banking, banks that deal with the halal, uh, you know, uh, home loans. I asked them what is the number of, how, what percentage of Muslims are going through Islamic banking for their homes, for their financing. I was shocked, 6%. 6%. 94% go through a conventional loan, right? 94% are involved in riba. 6% are going through a conventional loan. So you need to think about with the, with the eating of the halal. Think about earning of the halal. Think about leading a halal life. Where are we? We're ca- absolutely hollow and empty. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just covering up our flaws and faults from one another. But otherwise the situation of the ummah is very tough. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is saying that the, the leaders will tell the followers, did we stop you? At, we, did we, we grab Islam out of your heart? No, we didn't. You're the ones. You are transgressors. The weaklings and the followers will tell the influencers. But rather, you, no, 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 no. You all used to plot by day and night. You used to sit there and plot and knive. When you used to try to order us and encourage us and push us to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَنَجْعَلَ لَهُ أَنْدَادًا And ascribe partners to him. وَأَسَرُّ النَّدَامَةَ لَمَّا رَأَوُ الْعَذَابِ Subhanallah. أَسَرَّ يُسِرُ إِسْرَارِ means to make something a sir. What's a sir? Secret. Alright. أَسَرُّ النَّدَامَةَ means... Now what's nadama? Huh? Remorse. Nadama. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, what are they going to do? They're going to take their remorse and just hide it inside. They are going to sit there and just gulp in their uh, remorse. They have no option now. It's done. It's over. When they'll see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, enough, enough talking. Done. Enough of going back and forth. Time's up. Let's go. So at that time, they will hide their nadama. It's a very ajib ayah. Allah paints this picture that they're going to hide and suck up their own remorse once they, their eyes fall upon the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us so this is what's being mentioned over here that there will be no response from the leaders and they will be crying and they're saying only we wish we had have been guided again remember that day remember that day where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will invite, call upon the people on the day of judgment and he will say what did you respond what answer did you return to the messengers I sent you this is a very tough ayah for all of us Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask people and ask us maybe on the day of judgment you got so many messages from me so many reminders from me in the form of Quran, Sunnah, Hadith, Halaqat, Dhikr, Halaqat, Ilm, Khutbas. How many Jummah Khutbas we've all attended? How many Khatiras we've all attended? How many lectures and talks and jalsas and programs and retreats and conferences you and I have attended? How many books or eyes have fallen upon? How many righteous and pious people we have met in our lives? Our uncles, our aunts, our grandparents, our siblings, our parents, Musallis of the Masjid. We have received so many reminders from so many people. And Allah is going to ask, so what did you do? What did you do? What, what, what steps did you take for me? What sacrifice did you do for my deen? And the question is, what answer will you and I give to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Like what, what have we actually done for the deen? What, have we, what, what, sac- what moves have we taken for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? 
you know, it is not sufficient that we take the mushaf in the Quran and kiss it from six sides. It doesn't help. And if we, there's no Quran in the life, it doesn't happen that once a year we go perform Umrah and then take a, a picture of it and post it on our social media that we have just performed Umrah and with the Kaaba in the back. That doesn't help. If there's no hijab in our life, no haya in our life, no halal income in my life, no salah with jama'ah or salah on time in my life, my friends, what are we wasting our time? It's a big show. Right? We are deceiving ourselves by thinking that, you know, by, by performing this, this ritual, that ritual, by uh, attending in this program, that program, that we have somehow actually done our responsibility. Have we've got the, that we're going to answer this to Allah. This is not going to work. Pub, buying 50 Qur'anins and donating it to a masjid, I'm sorry, that doesn't cut it. That doesn't cut it. Kissing the Qur'an, keeping three tasbihs in our pocket, one, one in the pocket, one in the car, one in the home, doesn't count. If there's haram in our life, if we are not repenting, if we are not actually wanting the Qur'an to be our constitution, we have to live by it. it respect is one thing, but that's not real respect. It's like the simple famous example we hear. If someone says, my parents, I love my parents, and I respect them. And they say, okay, here, can you just please just take this dish and put it that side? They said, nope. Can you please take the garbage out? Nope. Can you please give me a glass of water? Nope. What, what respect? Why are you claiming that you have respect and love for your parents with anything they say, you're not able to follow it? Similarly, if I say I'm a Muslim and Quran is my dustur, Nabi Sallallahu is my mahboob, ashiq e I love Rasulullah but not one sunnah is in my life. Then why are we deceiving ourselves by claiming that we love Rasulullah Sallallahu That we're claiming that we love the Quran. This is all, we're in a fool's paradise. We are deceiving ourselves to somehow think that Allah is going to forgive us just by us making these empty, false, useless claims. My dear friends, this doesn't work like that. We have to pay the price for our Jannah. And that is through sacrifice. Deen must come into our life fully. And if it's not there, then at least keep on constantly repenting and make a goal that one day it will come. Our commitment needs to be to the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. If sunnah is not in our life, nothing's gonna work. May Allah give me understanding. May Allah give all of us understanding. It's not gonna work like this. All these external aspects of deen, so every one of us has chosen something. Some of us love orphanages. Others love, uh, you know, uh, halfway houses. Others love, uh, you know, humanitarian, you know, feeding the, uh, feeding the war-torn people. It's, you know, so other people they love donating of chairs to the masjid, donating Quran. Some people love to support Hibs madrasas. Other people love to go for Umrah. Someone loves to, you know, go to Islamic religious tourism, go to Spain, go to Turkey, go to Beit al Maqdis. Everyone has chosen some little thing of deen. And they say, that's it. This is my set. This is my gateway to Jannah. It doesn't work like that. You don't get a right to choose your gateway to Jannah. To say, oh, I think this part of deen is, my nafs likes it. So I'm just going to do this. And the rest of the stuff, no. If a person is, you can do anything, but if you do not fulfill the faraiv and stay away from the haram, it doesn't count. That's where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to see. The faraiv have to be there. The mustahabbat are great, the sunnah are the great, but the faraiv, if they're not present, and if the haram is not out of our life, my dear friends, we are deceiving ourselves by having these excited things that we are very passionate about. Deen is not about passion. Deen is not about what excites you. Deen is about what Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam want from us, and that's what Allah subhanahu wa taala is going to ask us on the day of judgment. Mada ajabtum al mursaleen. What did you? What was your response when the prophets invited you? Wajakum al nadir. When the warners came to you, what did you respond? The Quran says, "Who to get married to?" 
The Quran says who not to get married to. The Quran says how to stay away from riba. The Quran says about establishment of salah. All of these commandments keeps on coming to us. When we heard these talks, did we uh, let it pass from one year to the other year? Or what? Uh, it, it, it was uh, recently going for Umrah. I saw something that really just, just perturbed me immensely. And that was subhanAllah on the journey all from here to our country where we are heading halfway through. People, I didn't know that, you know, there's a bunch of mixed people, right, going to any part of the world. Could be Umrah as well. So I saw many Muslims on it. Many women, absolutely not dressed with hijab. It's like, okay, khalas, they're buzzed, we can wherever they're going, Allah makes it. But then, subhanAllah, I saw that these same people were boarding this, the flight to Medina. And I'm thinking, now what? And all the way to on city on the flight to Medina, again, same. Everyone is in their, you know, shirt and jeans and the hair exposed. They said, yeah, what's going on, man? We're going to the city of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What's going on? Where's our, where's our etiquette? Where's our, this is not a mustahab thing. This is haram, haram. There's no two opinions about it. This is haram. And you know, if, if you say, I'm not ready, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in sin. But you no, know, you're making this extra, extra unnecessary trip. The Umrah is not necessary. Medina is not necessary. First, take care of your fara'id. Fara'id, take care of your salah. Take care of your hijab. And if you say, no, I want a motivation, well then, what, what, what are you waiting for? You're on the flight to Umrah, then make sure you're dressed appropriately. Make sure you're praying your salah at the airport. If you're not going to pray salah now at the airport on the way to Mecca and Medina, when are you going to pray it? If you're not going to pray it after you land, when are you going to pray it? Allahu Akbar. If we're not going to dress appropriately now, when? This is what I'm talking about, how we have been deluded. Right? Because sir, this seems to be a very nice thing. Oh, we're going to go to the city of the Prophet. Amashaka Rasul. The green dome is so nice, so beautiful. Allahu Akbar. Even you just, you just saw last week, I told you. I think I said in the tafsir, the Mushrika Hindu, subhanAllah, from, you know, who is one of the oppressors of the Muslims. She's there posing in front of the Masjid al Nabi. So what? Does that make her any more clean and pure? Does that make her any righteous? That's what Medina has become now, subhanAllah. A place to pose for pictures. Mecca has become a place to pose for pictures. So we have to bring somehow nicely, you know, need to bring this awareness into people. My beloved brothers and sisters, we appreciate the fact that you want to go for Umrah and Hajj, mashaAllah. But there is steps you need to take before you do that. Most important is you got to think haram out of your life. Has to. And, and the, uh, having, not wearing the hijab is a haram. There's no two opinions about it. We have to make tawbah from this. We have to ask Allah to, to be involved in riba, haram. Eating and consuming haram food, haram. Missing fara'id and salah regularly, haram. Listening to music, haram. Watching haram, that's haram. All these things, fahsh. A person needs to get this out of their system. Yes, going to Umrah can facilitate it and bring your imaniyah to a stronger level where you can cry and beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. Okay. Then if a person says, I'm going on this journey to repent from these sins. Alhamdulillah, that's okay. Write it down. Write it down from beforehand. Ya Allah, on this journey, I am going to ask you forgiveness for these sins and I'm going to try to get these things out of my system. That Allah's doors are open. But this is just some point I wanted to say is that deen is not about emotions. Deen is not about what you like to do. Deen is about what you have to do. And that's what Allah will ask. What have you, what response did you give to the messengers who invite you? Yet because they belied them, all tidings and answers on that day shall be blotted out from their minds. Really scary. Thus they shall not even be able to ask one another for answers. Amiya Amiya means to be blinded. 
right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that, that they will be afflicted with blindness to such a degree that they will be completely separated from the rest of the world on the day of judgment. And they will have no idea what's going on. They will be speechless. They will not know how to answer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When they will realize that they had an opportunity to be in Jannah, but because of the fact that they didn't use their aql, and they did not benefit from wahi, and they followed their nafs, now they're going to be in khasara, khasira dunya wal akhirah. But which one? Abd al-abideen. Forever, for eternity, they're going to be in Jahannam forever. That's just going to be too harsh of a reality to accept. So they will be lost. Because in this dunya, when you, when you suffer a loss, as painful as it is, there's always, always some recourse. There's always, okay, that's not the end of the world. We always say that. Because it's true, it's not the end of the world, no matter what it is. But akhirah, it is the end of the world. And it's, I wish it was death. The people of Jahannam will beg the leader of Jahannam or the one in charge of Jahannam whose name is Malik. He's the angel in charge of Jahannam. They will beg him, Please ask your Lord to kill us. We can't take this. Thousands of years of punishment. We cannot, cannot, cannot handle it. And you know by the way, they're gonna be able to speak to Malik only after thousands of years of screaming. They'll be begging, screaming for a thousand years and no one will respond to them. Then just to create more ihana, more dhilla, more psychological punishment. No one will respond. And after thousands of years, Malik will say, what do you want? Say, we're begging you to please ask your Lord to kill us. And the answer will be, innakum makithun. Absolutely not. You're going to stay here forever. And on top of that, ikhsa'u fiha. Stay quiet. You shall not be able to speak from now on. And your mouths will be sealed shut. So all your emotion, you can't even share it or vent it. Because there's venting helps you. There's no venting. You have to allow that to just boil inside. May Allah protect us all. So when the disbelievers and the sinners will see that, it will be too much to handle. And that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that all the tidings and the answers will be blotted out from their minds, will become blind, they won't know how to handle this type of absolute khasara. As for those who whoever repent in this life, وآمن, and truly believe in, the, in, in what Allah asked them to believe, and then they did righteous deeds, then these people, okay, it may be well, may well be, look at that, may well be that such of these people shall be truly successful in this life. And in the akhirah, what does that mean? That on the flip side of it, those who do tawbah and lead a righteous life, inshallah, they'll get, they will be successful. But Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "Asa," it may well be. Why he says "Asa"? Because it depends on the ikhlas. If there is no ikhlas, then iman and amal saliha is not going to help. Ikhlas is necessary Sincerity is necessary For any action to be accepted And for them to be from amongst those Who are going to be gaining Paradise And gaining The acceptance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Look we see That Our status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is equivalent to the status of our good deeds The more the good deeds The more you can expect Appreciation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala As long as they are Done with ikhlas And the sahaba radiallahu anhu This is something that they had 
A sahabi came and said, Ya Rasulullah, I want to participate in an expedition with you. Rasulullah said, Okay, Yalla, come. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I don't have I do not have a means of joining you in an expedition. I don't have sword, I don't have horse, I don't have camel, I don't have anything. I have nothing to Nabi Ali said, Okay, what do you want? He said, Can you please give me something? Can you please give me an animal to ride on so that I can participate with you and give my life? And the Prophet said, I'm sorry, I don't have anything to give you. Okay, so now you're saved from going out in the battle. What happened to this person? He turned around and he began to cry. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved his crying so much that he mentioned this in the Quran. In Surah Tawbah. There is no punishment and no blame on those people who came to you, Ya Rasulullah, so that you can give them some conveyance and they can participate with you in a battle. Qulta, and then you told them, La ajidumahmirukumale, I do not have anything to give you. I do not have a horse or a camel to give you for you to ride upon to join the expedition. Tawallaw. Then they turned around. Allah is saying, Allah is watching. Rasulullah didn't see it because they turned around and left. But Allah was watching and Allah mentioned this. And their eyes, not their tears were not flowing down from their eyes. Allah says, their eyes were flowing from tears. I mean the eyes This is the mubalagha This is to show how much they cried It's as though the eye itself was flowing Because that's how much they cried Hazanan Out of sadness Over what? That they do not have that which they could spend They're crying over the fact that they don't have money To buy something by which they can then travel upon and join the expedition Subhanallah It's not about how much you have given It's about the condition of your heart how do you feel? Not everyone is going to have money to give. But do you feel pain when you don't have money to give? How many of us felt pain? When you were sitting somewhere and you wanted to give, but you didn't have the means. Because you know why? Honestly speaking, we all have the means. Yes, we may not have means for, you know, huge amounts. But we all have the means for, for mashallah, something or the other. But unfortunately, we do not give everywhere, number one. And number two, when we don't give, we also don't feel sad about it. It's like, yeah, whatever. Right? How, how, how often have we felt pain afterwards to say, SubhanAllah, that was an opportunity, I missed that. What's wrong? Let me try to make up for it. But the Sahaba were on a whole different level because they realized their status with Allah is based on the amount of good deeds that they have. And you don't want to miss out on an opportunity. So yes, I don't have anything to participate in the expedition, but let me try. If you give me a horse, I'll go. But no, you don't even have a horse to give me, then what, what can I do? Allah loved their crying that He mentioned. Another instance, the Prophet ﷺ, one day in the morning after Fajr Salah, he gathered his Sahaba would sit around him. He would turn around after praying Fajr and speak to them, hear any dreams that they had, answer the questions and so forth. So then the Prophet ﷺ said, Last night who gave sadaqah? Who gave sadaqah? Sad sadaqah that it hit, shook the throne of Allah. So one person said, Ya Rasulullah, I, I gave something. XYZ thing. Rasulullah said, No, not you. Anyone else? Another person said, Ya Rasulullah, yes, since you're asking, uh, last night I was able to give this. He says, no, no, not this. Who else? Who else? Keep on. At the very end, one person said, Ya Rasulullah, since you keep on asking, uh, last night I wanted to give sadaqah before I go to bed. But I looked and I literally had nothing. I own nothing to give. I didn't have a dime, a cent. So now I don't want to go to sleep without giving sadaqah. I wanted to give charity. What can I say? I sat there thinking, what should I do? What should I do? I said, Ya Allah, I will give my honor in charity. I will give what? My honor. And anyone who curses me, backbites me, 
and says evil things about me, is jealous against me, hurts me in any way, I have already forgiven them for your sake. So that on the day of judgment, I will not hold them accountable. Wow. If you think about it, that is by far the biggest sadaqah. Because if you hold them accountable, you can get them into hell and get yourself into Jannah. Because all their good deeds will get transferred. And everyone will be wanting one, one, one hasana. And now you're writing it all off and saying, khalas, done. You can swear at me, backbite me. I'm, I'm already forgiven you. I'm not going to hold you accountable. The Prophet ﷺ said, it is this sadaqah that actually shook the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not what, any, what everyone else has done. Look at, these are the sahaba who don't have the means, but they're worried about their status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are making it happen. And that's exactly where, who our role model is. They are our role models. Who, who are people constantly focused on trying to please Allah with whatever you have. Don't try to think that in order to please Allah, you have to earn money. Or you have to have the means. You have to have power. You have to have political power. You have to have financial power. You have to have this, that. No. Whatever situation you're in, you make an effort to see how can you please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do something for the deen. What a beautiful thing if we all could do this tonight. What a beautiful thing if we all can make this intention in this gathering that, Ya Allah, whoever has hurt me, whoever has backbited me, whoever has insulted me, I've forgiven them for your sake. And I will not hold anyone accountable who has backbited me, who has said something evil about me outside. I will not hold them accountable. If you can do that, my dear friends, honestly, we will walk away as people who have donated billions and millions from this gathering. And honestly, that if you do it sincerely, inshallah, 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 this will be possibly very sufficient for our own forgiveness. May Allah give you and I the willpower, the strength to do this every night. To forgive people every single night who have hurt us. And, and then use that as a means of gaining Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure. May Allah give us the, 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 the strength to do that, the, the willpower to do that, the, uh, the himma to do that. Because I know it's hard, but it's not hard for the one who Allah makes it easy for. Huh? It's not hard for the one who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it easy for. You saw, you saw that video that became viral about 10 years ago. Uh, but that father, you know, subhanAllah, who, who came face to face with his killer, son's killer, with his son's killer in court in Missouri. You must have seen that, haven't you? Right? SubhanAllah. I actually met that brother at an airport, randomly in, in, uh, overseas. It was just amazing. You know, he was, he was there and I met him. I was like, wait, hold on, are you, are you not that brother? And he said, yes. Well, I was like, wow, man. That was just outstanding. If you haven't seen it, go see that. It was a speech of a father gave, Allahu Akbar, it'll make you cry. Father speaking to the killer of his murder of his son. His son was just uh, what, a delivery, right? I think so. And uh, he was delivering pizza and I think he just killed him over that uh, to steal. And the way he forgave him for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something, please go search it and watch it. That little, you know, uh, communication between the father and the murderer of his son. And there you go. That is, this is himma. Right? This is, these, are, these are giants, man. These are giants. May Allah reward the father immensely and may Allah grant shahada to the son. And, and, and remove all through this, this painful thing, may Allah remove all difficulties from their family members. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. But this is an inspiration for us that this stuff happens even till today. That people are inspired to make such bold decisions. So this is a sadaqah that we can all do. Last, this is the sixth answer for those people who uh, said that if we become believers, we're going to get plucked from Mecca. Allah says, what are you talking about? Your Lord alone is the one who creates whatever He so wills. Meaning your actions are also created by Allah. You, if, you, if you're afraid of people, this is shirk. Don't be afraid of people. 
you become a believer and don't keep on saying, if we become a believer, we'll, we will get abducted and we will get killed. No, have faith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not let you down. Right? Uh, Shaykh Nabulusi writes a story. He says that one day I, I, I was traveling in someone's car, going somewhere. All of a sudden, he said, I just randomly, which I usually don't, I asked him a question. I said, oh, mashallah, when did you buy this car? Which he said, I don't usually ask this type of question. I just asked him. He said, now I realize that there was inspir- inspiration from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me to ask this question. When did you buy this car? And he said, the person said, oh, what do I tell you? He said, I bought, I was going through a difficulty, difficult situation and I ended up buying, if I, if I understood correctly the story, I bought a lottery ticket, something of that sort that's available in Syria, some sort of that. Some sort of lottery type of thing. He said, then I came, I had, my, I had that little ticket in my pocket and I came to the masjid. And it so happened that the khatib spoke about how this uh, uh, gambling and stuff is haram. That this sort of income is haram. So he said, this is, What did you respond to the messengers? He heard the message from the messenger of the messenger that this is haram. So what did he do? He said, I said, how can I be carrying this around? I picked up that piece of paper and tore it, that ticket. It's a done. I tore it. And like, you know, you, you're involved in some haram business, you come to the masjid and the khatib speaks about that. You're involved in some haram action and the scholar you attend the halaqah speaks about it. How do you respond to that? You say, oh man, these guys are narrow-minded. I don't know what fiqh they follow. Do they forget that it's 2024? It's already January 2024. Is that the response? Or is it, inna lahi rajiun? Wallahi man, this is true. This is true. I gotta give this thing up. I have to change. I know it's been 50 years, 40 years, but I gotta done. How long am I gonna be given this chance by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Let me change now. So how did you respond when someone said something? When Allah sent that message to you? Not someone said something. Allah sent that message to you through a scholar, through a khatib, through a book. What was your response? So he said after that, just a few weeks later, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened up the doors of risk. And I received such a high paying job, way beyond my expectations, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me the ability to purchase this car. So this is the, this is the so the Sheikh was reflecting. He said, "Allah proved it to you that you gave up haram just as soon as you heard about it from the member. Allah was not going to make you taste poverty after that. You gave up the chance to make money. You gave up a, do- a door of haram that was opening up because you felt like this is going to anger Allah. Why would Allah Subhanahu wa Taala put you through even more difficulty? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wanted to show." Allah creates whatever He wills. Allah creates difficulty for you and Allah also creates openings for you. Allah creates ease also and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creates comfort as well. Stop thinking that if you follow the deen, your life is going to fall apart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make ways for you. Never it is for any of them who disbelieve to choose for Allah. None of the disbelievers, no, not the followers, nor the followed, they have any option to choose what Allah shall do and where shall Allah send them in the akhirah. Subhanallah, highly exalted is Allah, most high ta'ala amma shirkun. Most high is He, far above all those that they associate as gods with Him. So this is the final answer to this, this thought that uh, if we follow the deen, we will all, uh, you know, fall apart. Remember the, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. He says that he one day he sat behind Rasulullah sallallahu and the Prophet sallallahu said, Ya ghulam, oh young boy, inni, inni I'm going to teach you some things. 
احفظ الله يحفظك protect Allah's protect Allah يعني protect the commands of Allah Allah will protect you احفظ الله protect the commands of Allah تجده تجاهك you will find Allah at your side وإذا سألت فاسأل الله when, uh, when you ever ask ask only Allah وإذا استعنت فاستعن بالله whenever you seek assistance seek assistance only from Allah وعلم أن الأمة and know very well if the entire Ummah if they all gather together to benefit you <coughs> they will not benefit you in the least except for what has already been, been written and destined for you and know very well if the ummah all gather together to harm you in the least they will not harm you in the least Except that which Allah had already decreed for it to happen. The pens have been lifted of destiny. And the paper has been dried upon which this was written. That's where the araqidah has to be. That's where iman has to be. That if I'm going to follow the deen, and I don't care who says what, no one is going to be able to harm me in the least. This Iman, when it becomes weak, then you have 60 Muslim countries who can't do anything. And you have 1.2 billion Muslims who can't do anything. Because this aqidah that Abdullah bin Abbas was being taught by the Prophet has become weak. We're always looking at others. We're thinking that harm and benefit lies in the hands of makhluq. And when in reality, it only lies in the hands of Allah. If makhluq is going to harm us, it's only by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah grant us all complete tawheed the yaqeen in tawheed, tawheed of af'al, tawheed of sifat, tawheed of that, believing the one Allah, believing in one, and the fact that Allah, Allah his actions are the true actions, and that no one can partner up with Allah in any of his actions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthen our iman. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon our brothers and sisters in Palestine, and in Sudan, and all over the globe, wherever our ummah, in Yemen, subhanAllah, wherever their ummah is suffering, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring ease and comfort. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to, uh, to speak the truth, and act upon the truth, and invite the truth, no matter whatever the Consequences may be. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us conviction that the only one worthy of pleasing is Allah and not the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Let us um, uh, take some questions, inshallah. 408-6832, slido.com, or you can take a um, scan of it. 408-6832, 408-6832 at slido.com. And now I want to share with you some, inshallah, good programs we're having this week. This Friday night, inshallah, we will be starting a series of Ramadan, pre-Ramadan programs on Friday nights. Every two weeks we'll have a program on Friday night. So please try to join us. They've been pro- you know, very thoughtfully prepared. Different speakers, different topics. And inshallah, this Friday we'll have a call, The Journey of Spiritual Preparation. This, we have about 55 days before Ramadan starts. So we don't have much time. This is the time to start preparing. If we prepare early, inshallah, Ramadan will be very well. So journey of spiritual preparation with Mawlana Ammar, inshallah, Friday evening on site as well as online for brothers and sisters. Please make a note and join. Alhamdulillah, our annual uh, no-tech retreat will be taking place a month from now, February 18th to February 19th. It is on a long weekend. Monday is President's Day. It will be a day off. 
So you are welcome to please uh, college students, high school students, working adults. I mean, I don't know, working adults may have uh, work, but at least college students, high school students, Monday will be off. So I encourage you to please come with your sons. Uh, daughters are always welcome, but not for Etikaf. But, you know, they can join the rest of the program except for the sleepover. Program will start Saturday um, at Maghrib. And inshallah, we'll have, uh, we'll have fast that day. Everyone will be fasting, inshallah. And nafil fast. And we'll also do nafil atikaf. So we'll be serving suhoor. We'll be serving iftar um, and dinner on Saturday night for those who are staying over. And the purpose of this is an annual event where we become unplugged for 24 hours. Leave all our technology at home or in our car. And we do not bring it to the masjid. And in these 24 hours, we focus on plugging ourselves with Allah and unplugging ourselves from the creation. All the talks will be focused on spirituality. Um, we have Sheikh Zakaria Patel, as mentioned here. Alhamdulillah, Imam of Masjid Taqwa in Toronto. And the Khalifa in, uh, uh, from, of Sheikh Yusuf Mutala, Rahimahumullah, who was a senior Khalifa and student of Sheikh Zakaria Al-Kandil, who was the rector of Darul Ulum Bury in England and, and Darul Ulum Bradford and many, you know, one of the main... Uh, founders of uh, or one of the main uh, agents of change and bringing khair and goodness in England Alhamdulillah no doubt one of Yusuf Mutala ranks at the top uh, individuals so he passed away recently in Canada and during COVID and this is one of his special students Alhamdulillah uh, who is uh, inshallah when you meet him you'll see ta'ala, a man filled ta'ala, from what we think and what we understand and what we see, what we know, to be filled with spirituality, love of Allah, love for Rasulullah And it is the suhbah and the company of such pious people that brings in a revival in our hearts. So uh, he will be joining us with a few other scholars from Toronto. I encourage all of you, 100% of all of you who are listening to me to please mark your calendars, please mark your calendars, and do not miss this opportunity. This is a very unique type of event from all the other events that we have. It's a select group of serious people who come for 24 hours, and the vibes are just completely different, very different. And what better way to prepare for Ramadan? One month before Ramadan, this event is taking place. One month before Ramadan. So what better way to come and prepare for Ramadan by doing Atikaf a month in advance. Inshallah, our Tanweer program and Tamheed program registration is open for our one-year program as well as our summer intensives. You can go onto the uh, website and <coughs> get the details for this year's one-year program as well as the summer program. Alhamdulillah, um, the end of the month, we'll have a, a special female scholar uh, coming all the way from California. Uh, and she will be addressing the sisters of the Darussalam community 2.30 to 4.30 p.m. on Friday. And it's got, the title is Exceptional Women in Our Tradition, Scholarship in Islam. So please have our women folk, inshallah, attend this program. Additionally, the Tafim program, alhamdulillah, just began this Saturday. So I encourage you all to please try to come uh, or take the classes online or on-site Saturday morning and Sunday morning, 9 a.m. or oh, sorry, 10 a.m. till Zuhr. These classes are the only academic classes that are taught online. This is the only academic classes that are taught online. It's 24 courses taught over a period of four years. And alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, this is the 10th year that these classes are being offered continuously. So <clears throat> January 2014 marks 10 years since we started our, our, our program. This, uh, January 2024, 20, rather. We started in January 2014. So um, you can come on site or you can come online. The classes are recorded. It's for men, women, high school students, college students, married people, etc. Um, so this is um, uh, something you can all participate in. Now let's take some uh, questions.
If a person has a mushaf that cannot in a very bad condition where it can be read, what how can a person dispose of it? Furqan Foundation Bolingbrook have a recycling service for these type of books or masahif as well. Uh, a person who has a long-lasting guilt of sin, how do a person deal with that? Uh, a person needs to ensure that the long-lasting guilt does not become in, 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 inhibits a person from focusing on their growth and spiritually becoming stronger. If it constantly um, uh, gnaws a person in a manner that makes them incapable of functioning, then this is not good. A person should have this firm resolve or rather uh, expectation that inshallah Allah has forgiven their sins. A person says, gave up a haram relationship for the sake of Allah. So a person who gives up haram, yes, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them something greater, including the taste, to be able to taste the sweetness of iman, taste the sweetness of dua. And inshallah, some new doors and avenues will definitely, bithinillahi ta'ala, open up. Is it bid'ah to only make dua after completing salah? No, this is sunnah of the Prophet to make dua after salah. Yes, collectively, all the time, to do it loudly, collectively. That's not established, but to do dua uh, after salah is something Rasulullah said. That's when dua gets accepted, after every fard salah, especially, and then the last portion of the night. How does a person increase his sincerity? You tell yourself, I am only doing this only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Keep on telling yourself, one, two, three, as many times as you need to. Um, and anytime you feel like you have, you, you, there's some insincerity crept in, then repeat that I am doing this only for the sake of Allah and I absolve myself of any other type of wrong intention. Masah over the head can it be done under the scarf with one hand or both hands? Yes, one hand is sufficient. It's getting hard for me to forgive my own siblings because they're always hurting me one way or the other. My own brothers and sisters taunt each other. And this, these are unfortunate things that um, you know, are social ills, spiritual ills that are found in people. <laughs> and what a person should think that this person is sick, like a person who is um, emotion, uh, mentally or emotionally not well and says things that are absolutely unaccept, unacceptable. Like for example, someone who is... Uh, um, uh, you know, bipolar or someone who is um, uh, 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 completely clinically depressed, someone who is schizophrenic, and at that moment, in one of those phases of uh, a manic phase or depressive phase or schizophrenic phase, they say something horrible. You will not hold that accountable against someone uh, who you know is, is struggling with an illness. So people who are saying things amongst your siblings, a person should think that these people are spiritually ill. And they need help. So we, we need to help them through dua and whatnot and not sit there and um, think that how can I forgive them? That's the one way you can try to explain to yourself the importance of forgiving them.
Is the one-year program directed towards the women of the community as well? I want to ensure that I'll get enough attention uh, to detail if I were to enroll. Yes, all the fe- there are female teachers. Uh, there's a th- the female teachers actually teach the class. So you're going to get full attention from there. There's, like I teach a tarbiya class on their insistence. But besides that, um, you know, female teachers actually teach the class. Um, okay, my heart aches when I sin. I regret it a lot, intend not to do it again. But then I find myself doing the sin. I fear Allah and love Him, but I cannot stop sin. Help. So <clears throat> this is a good sign that your heart aches when you sin. This is the sign of iman. When you feel guilty above sin and you feel happy when you do good deed. Um, why are you keep constantly then falling into sin? Because these are this is uh, addictions. This is a bad habit that a person is. Um, you know, just completely caught caught in. So a person should resort to asking help from a specific mentor or a sheikh, or uh, depending on what the situation is, and see how can they, um, you know, break get out of that bad habit. That's all it is. You need to reach out for help, and sometimes within uh, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, you'll find an answer uh, to deal to how to deal with that and get and break that habit. So do not think the fact that you keep on going to sin means that you are not sincere. You are sincere, you're feeling guilty, you keep on crying about it, but then you go back to it, that's because a person is uh, an addicted to it. Not to say that you don't need to seek forgiveness anymore, no. You have to keep on seeking forgiveness. But do not allow that to become a barrier between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does supporting uh, gay people make a person, someone a kafir, advocating for their rights? So, I mean, it depends how it's, uh, making someone a kafir is a very big issue, brother. Or sister, it's not something we take lightly. It's not something in my in my hands or your hands to do that, and uh, we be very careful in these type of things. So, uh, uh, and we should, we, and, and and this is not something you need to listen, ask a question in a Q and A session like this, and then go start applying it left and right. So, <clears throat> so you a person should um, worry about yes, a person's iman, <coughs> but ulama are extremely careful in labeling someone a kafir. We will try to find every avenue to try to keep a person in the fold of Islam. Because it doesn't help us, our cause, by making people kafir. Um, so you, can, you will try to see how, um, if someone is you know, confused about it, and see how they can be explained, how they can be um, you know, enlightened about this issue. Uh, is that something, advocating for these rights, is that a good thing to do? Obviously not. Um, but there are, different, there, are, there are ways to look at it in a way that will not take a person out of the fold of Islam. That's what I'm trying to say. But is this something that we will be doing or we encouraging people to do? Absolutely, of course, we would not. If a person is, um, a bu- if a person is in, uh, involved with the business partners who are involved in riba, should we keep on doing business with them? No, we should not. That we should uh, st- uh, try our best to ensure that our business is 100% riba free. And if our business partners are involved in that, then that obviously filth comes onto our end as well. How do I make my family more religious? Uh, uh, one is through dua. Number two is through your own good character. Number three is try to do some athka amal at home, reading Quran loudly at home, doing dhikr if possible out loud, praying salah with jama'ah when you are not able to take it to the masjid at home loudly. <clears throat> then doing ta'aleem at home. Doing ta'aleem is very beneficial. Hayatul Sahaba of Sheikh Yusuf of Kandalwi is a very beautiful book to read at home. Or you know any book of hadith that has some good explanation on it. Reading that, barakah will come into our house, inshallah. 
and without you even directly speaking to your family members, through the barakah of ta'aleem, reading a book of deen in your home, inshallah, khair will spread in the house. Reading Quran when, when a person is a female is not praying is not allowed, even if it means it's on the phone. Okay, lots of different questions here. Um, is it disrespectful to, to, to joke with your teacher? Just, um, um, and so, I mean, these things, Imam Ghazali actually writes about this in his Bidatul Hidayah, about the etiquette with the teacher, honestly. And um, so, everything, there is a place and a maqam. Even the Sahaba joked with Rasulullah at times. So there, is a, an, there, is a, there are limits to it, and there's, there's a proper method of doing it, as long as a person... Uh, knows those limits, then that's acceptable. Tika, um, inshallah. Mashallah, lots of questions. Alhamdulillah, we answered a lot, and we, there are more. I, as always, you can email uh, or go use the link masjidds.org forward slash question. Um, masjidds.org question. And inshallah, that's our Dar al Ifta. And it's good. This is how we should. We will learn by asking. The more you ask, inshallah, the better it is. Let us do dhikr for a few minutes before we complete with dua. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sallallahu ala Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sallallahu ala Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم 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 استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم تسلمك السلام وبركاته ذا الجلال والاكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصيثنا انا عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا ولم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لكن من الخاسرين اللهم يا حنان يا منان يا بديع السماوات والارض يا ذا الجلال والاكرام والعزه التي لا ترام اللهم انا نسالك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم يا حي يا قيوم اللهم انا نرجو رحمتك ونخشى عذابك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم انا نسالك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم طهر قلوبنا من النفاق واعملنا من الرياء والسينتنا من الكذب واعيننا من الخيانه فانك تعلم خائنه العين وما تخفي الصدور ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا المتقين اماما ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا المتقين اماما ربنا هب لنا من لدنك رحمه وهيئ لنا من امرنا رشدا ربنا هب لنا من لدنك رحمه وهيئ لنا من امرنا رشدا ربنا هب لنا من لدنك رحمه وهيئ لنا من امرنا رشدا اللهم نسالك من خير ما سالك من نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما سالك من نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وانت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله سبحان ربك رب العزه يا مازفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين امين جزاكم الله خيرا السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته